hold your place in James and turn to the book of Revelation. What a joy to be with you tonight. Um, I tell you, one of the most gracious men I know is your pastor. And you know, if I had a choice, I'm glad we don't have to. We had a choice between the right position and the right disposition. I think we ought to, we ought to have the right position. Position determines uh, outcome, destination. Jesus is the only way to heaven. So position is very important. But I'm glad you don't have to sacrifice your disposition for position. Your pastor has both. I'm glad you can be loving and compassionate, but yet true to God's word. I'm very thankful. You ought to be thankful for this place. And your testimony is known abroad, I'll tell you, uh, thanks to social media. And uh, I tell you, this church is the hero of mine, and you don't even know it, right? And I uh, prayed for you, rejoiced with you, and the singing tonight's been wonderful. Thank you, Brother, Moore, Brother Morgan. Uh, singing's great. And Pastor, thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Uh, great privilege for me and my family to be here with you. And uh, so uh, taking into account an honor, a great honor. Brother Abel, good to see you, sir. And uh, good to see you here tonight. Thank you for being here. I know you're tired. You've worked hard all day. Hopefully, some of you. Some of you had not hit a lick at it, have you? And, uh, but I'm glad you're here tonight. James chapter number three. Uh, James chapter number three. And then Revelation chapter number nine. And I'll read Revelation nine verse 11 first. If I could, Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Now we know that that is referring to Satan, and he is, both of those names mean destroyer. He is a destroyer. Jesus is a builder. He was born in a carpenter's home. He was a carpenter by trade. He came building. He was a builder in his methods. He, he saw what the raging bull Saul of Tarsus could be, not what he was. He saw what men could be, not just what they were. He was a builder by birth in his methods, and then he died making a bridge whereby you and I could go to heaven. So Jesus is a builder, and I, I want to be on his side. Yes. Satan is a destroyer. He destroys everything in his sight. And we know one of the things that he uses to the greatest extent to create division and destruction is the tongue. In James chapter 3, I want you to look with me. In verse number 1, James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, 
and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. That's pretty serious. I want to talk to you tonight about two choices we have with our tongue. We're either Satan's assassin or we're their Savior's assistant. The tools and material to build that God has is you and I. He has no hands. We are his hands and feet here on earth. He has no mouthpiece per se. We are that. And so we have a choice to make, and life is made to a battlefield of moments and a battlefield of choices each and every day. And here we see, first of all, in James chapter 3, that the tongue is likened to a fire. You can't tame it. It's very unpredictable. It reminds me of this, this girl, and this is a silly story, but um, <laughs> it's true. The tongue betrays us often. Hannah Sabata, 19-year-old from Waco, Nebraska, decided she was going to rob a bank. And so she did. She robbed a bank. And the teller got a description of Hannah, and, but there was no need for it because Hannah was so smart she made a video, a YouTube video called Chick Bank Robber. And so she posted this to her YouTube channel and said, she held up some little papers and said, I stole a car today. And told what kind of car it was. Showed the keys. And then she said, I robbed a bank and held it up. And showed, it $6,200 she stole back in 2012. And she flashed the money in front of the screen. And uh, then she said, I'm going on a shopping spree. She held that up. I'm going to pay back my student loan. Well, that's noble of her, wasn't it? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and uh, mom's going to think I got a new boyfriend, she said. And then she went to jail, and rightly so. Amen? Well, it's amazing how, how much trouble we get into with our tongue, the things we say. I have in my hand, I've only read this one time publicly, I have in my hand a letter and uh, this letter was the key. Possibly, I would have never heard the gospel, never got saved, never called to preach. My dad the same way. Had not somebody got control of their tongue. James says in chapter 3, it's a, it's a fire. The top 10 largest fires in California happened in 2020. And uh, we know the August complex fire in 2020 burnt over a million acres. And then the camp fire, not camp fire literally, but camp fire, um, burned thousands and thousands of structures, the most uh, structures damaged during that fire. And whether it's electricity or whether it's somebody not putting out a camp fire, one of those was a professor that started the fire. No matter the cause... Its destruction is inevitable. Fires, they destroy what they touch. So do our words. How many churches have been divided and destroyed over a dispute 
Oh, for a volcanic eruption of verbiage. The words we say or how we say them. And it is so uh, ironic that the people we love the most are the ones we hurt the most with the words. Whether it's demeaning our children or whether it's belittling our spouses. Just one sharp thing. And ladies, you understand, you got a memory, and not, not physically speaking, but you have a memory like an elephant. Amen. And you remember everything. Everything. You remember what you had on the night you met him. I, I promise you do. You don't forget. Well, likewise, you don't forget anything he's ever said in the last 30 years. You got it right here. You know how he said it? You know the facial expressions he made when he said it? Even though he claims he meant this, you know what he really meant. Because you are a great discerner of motives. Right? You know what he was thinking before he ever said it. Yeah, right. Boy, how many marriages have been less than what God intended because of a, a word, a phrase, a jab, a belittling in front of another person? How many churches have been ruined over carpet and pews? Church I grew up in split over carpet and pews. How many people, who's going to be accountable for those people? The ones that left. The ones that weren't grounded left. The ones that weren't saved and left. Who's responsible for those? It's a great fire. destroys what it touches. The pilot light, you don't have to light it. It's already lit. You know, on your natural gas stove, you got a pilot light. You got to light the pilot light. Tongue's already lit. The Bible says it's set on fire of hell. You don't have to do anything to engage it. Just give it opportunity. Most of the time it'll create that. Well, I don't want to be on the destruction side. I want to be on the building side, but I'll, we'll get to that in a moment. It destroys what it touches. Number two, it disables friendships. Look in verse seven. For even for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. Is an unruly evil full of deadly poison? Now, poison's very interesting. How does it become poisonous? It happens when we spread rumors. And they permeate everywhere. Social media is a great way to do that. And it's like the, the man was talking about another individual in the church he was talking to this man about another person in the church and he was telling him all this stuff and, and he stopped, you know, he got convicted a little bit and um, the man said, what are you going to leave out the details of this? Tell me more. And the man talking said, I've already told you more than I know. <laughs> Boy, isn't that true? It spreads. It's, it's a poison. And uh, it happens when we when we lie to make ourselves look good. It happens when we pass off unkind words by saying, I was just joking. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
there's a little truth in everything we say. No matter the intent we say, there's a little truth there. Be very careful. It happens when we make light of evil, make fun of those who stand for the truth. Poison doesn't always kill instantly. It's slow. It works slowly as it enters the bloodstream. Fast or slow, the uncontrolled tongue is deadly poison. It's a fire. It burns. It destroys what it touches. It, uh, it disables friendships. How many, how many times have we seen friendships destroyed over a word? My, my grandfather and my dad, they didn't speak for three years because of something petty, petty, petty. Three years. The only introduction I had to church was my grandfather. So you can imagine when that was done, I was done going to church. Weren't allowed to even go by his house down the road that he lived on. Three years. That doesn't seem like a lot to you, but to me, I, I was Papa's buddy, you know. And uh, not to be able to go and, and, and to be without church. And just felt like I was just left out my own devices from age 11 to 14. And uh, because of what somebody said to each other, can I tell you tonight, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's a fire, it's a poison. It destroys what it touches, it disables friendships. Number three, it divulges the truth about us. Now, if you'll go down to verse 10, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. In other words, he said, out of the same mouth, there, there's blessing and cursing, there's building, there's destroying out, out of both. And this side of heaven, we're going to have to contend with the flesh, with the old man, the urge to say more than we should, the, the, the urge to, to say something we should not say. Uh, we're going to battle that until we are called home to glory. We're going to battle it. He said, out of the same mouth, but we have the choice Abaddon, Apollyon, the destroyer, or the builder, the material, the tools that Christ is using to build his kingdom on this earth. We can be used of God to encourage, to strengthen, to build, or we can be used of Satan as his assassin to destroy, to take the sword of our words and our mouth, our lips, and to cut people in two. Even our own children. Why don't you do this sometime? Take 10 pennies out. And before you give one, I still got five left. I got some work to do today. And before you say one word of instruction, say 10 of encouragement. Take one penny, move it to the other side. Do you get done? Then, then you can, and usually what will happen, you'll keep going. You'll forget about what was so important. It all of a sudden is not so important. And you'll learn to encourage. It's a fire. It's a poison. It divulges the truth about us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We proclaim Christ with one breath and lie to our friends with the other. We forgive one minute and we lose our temper ten later. Um, we read the Bible, then we watch 
what we should not. And so it goes. In other words, there's two choices here. Two choices. Matthew 12, 34 is where he called them a generation of vipers. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, he wasn't talking about their drinking. He wasn't talking about their drugs. He was talking about the wickedness, the evil of their heart. He said, it tells on you in your words. Husbands, wives, don't criticize each other. Parents, tear down their children. Strip away every bit of self-esteem that they have. I understand that we're built on what we are in Christ, not on the flowery or flattering words. But it's very important how how we talk to each other, those that we love. We all have a, have a choice to make. Proverbs refers to our tongue or lips or mouth over 150 times in 31 chapters. It's very important. Genesis 1 tells us, I mean, the entire universe came because God spoke. He is the word. Death and life, Proverbs 18, 21, are in the power of the tongue. Everything you've said last week, this past week, has either assassinated someone or breathed life into them. I never forget. We, I was in church. I was standing up here like pastor, and I was looking up in the balcony. Isn't it funny how people think they can hide in the balcony, pastor? I mean, we, we had, so that was eye level, man. I can I can see everything they do in the balcony. And uh, now, first four rows, they can commit murder, and I wouldn't see it, you know, on the on the sides here. But straight ahead, I can see everything they're doing. You know, I've seen good fights between brothers and all kinds of stuff up there. Um, but I, I noticed a man was kind of wobbling on, we were singing in the congregation, and he was kind of wobbling. And I thought, hmm, this, ah, it's early in the morning for any kind of, you know, anything that would make you wobble. I'll let your mind do whatever. <laughs> I thought, that, you know, I don't know what's going on up here. In just a minute, he fell over. He was a good-sized man. And he fell over. His heart rate was in the 200s. And he passed out, became unconscious. And we have some heart transplant people. We've got some people that work in the cardiac uh, intensive care. And so we, they all got some EMT folks, and they all jumped up there, and they were doing CPR in the middle of the service. What were you doing? I was letting them sing. <laughs> sing another verse of that. <laughs> because I really didn't want them hearing what all they were saying up there, you know. And so I thought, well, if we get quiet, they're going to hear everything they say. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but the best thing we can do is just sing and let them do their job. So we did, and, and it got time for me to get up there. And I, and I see him, boy, just, I mean, they did CPR on him for at least 30 straight minutes hard. And, you know, not, he had not one bit of damage, brain damage, which is what you worry about because oxygen not getting to the brain. Not one bit because they, those people were concerned about resuscitating him and not missing a meat. They, they, they rotated CPR. We're in the resuscitation business, not in the destruction business. We're, we're called to give life. I mean, there's healing in our words. There's life in our words. If you don't believe me, just say something kind. I dare you. 
and watch somebody's countenance light up. There's power, there's healing, there's life and death. It's teetering on your tongue. One word, two words can either kill or give life. Which one are we doing at home? I'm mainly talking about home. Because we say the harshest things, as I said to those we love. Our words are powerful. During World War II, you know, I've always heard loose lips sink ships. Y'all have heard that? I've heard that. I didn't know where it came. I just thought somebody thought it up. But during World War II, it was really a thing. Like when the ships would go to port, they didn't want the enemy knowing where they were going next. So they would put up flyers that said loose lips sink ships, and they would have a picture of a drowning man, soldier, outside of a ship. And they encouraged them to keep their mouth closed about where they were going. And I'll say loose lips still sink ships. <laughs> Words are prevalent. We open our mouths typically 700 times a day. I understand some more than others. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We use about 18,000 words. And uh, if we say too much, we're bound to say something that brings death to somebody else. We're bound to. Words are prevalent. They penetrate. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 18, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Our tongues can torpedo relationships and ambush reputations. Just by a few words. How many of you, when you're in school, you saw this happen? Some, some big mantra was created about some new student that was not true and absolutely destroyed any hopes of them having a fair shake at life over just what somebody started as a rumor, just what somebody said. Words are perpetual. They have tremendous power for good or for evil. What are some wrong uses? And I'll get to the good part. Gossip. It's wrong. Proverbs 20, 19. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Some people feed on gossip like others enjoy food. You know, it's usually fun and interesting because it appeals to our desire for information and details until you're the subject of it. It's funny how that works. We'll join in on it until we find out we're the ones they're talking about. I can't believe you're talking about me. It was okay till it got reversed. <laughs> and uh, that, that gives you the guy that said he's already told you more than he knows. Gossip, angry words. Anger man stirreth up strife, lying, flattery, impulsive speech. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There's more hope of a fool than him. Have you ever opened your mouth and inserted foot? I have. Hasty with our words. Hasty with our words. Words are powerful. They can bring death or they can resuscitate and bring life. Now, in Proverbs also, the Bible likens good words to refreshing water. Proverbs 10 11. They're well of life. They're tasty food. Proverbs 16 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. They're like expensive jewelry in Proverbs 25, 11, 12. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Now, what should our words be in our clothes? They should be faith-filled words. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. They should be faith-filled. In other words, uh, when, when things are going on at the church, man, we ought to, be, we ought to have faith-filled words to see God do something. We, we ought to be giving uh, credence to what God is doing by our faith-filled words. Even with your children, believe in them. Believe that God, if you don't, they won't. Believe that God can do something in their life. Have faith-filled words about what God can do in their life, about what God's gonna do at church. Faith-filled words about Sunday, about midweek prayer meeting, about whatever's going on at the church. Have faith-filled words. Then fortifying words, fortify you, strengthen, build, encouragement. You know, agape love, agape love doesn't say I love you because, it says I love you although. I don't love you because you did something, because you can do something for me. I love you although everything may not have ever panned out from you to me, but I love you anyway. Fortifying words, faith-filled words. They ought to be that way. They ought to be factual words. If you're not sure, just leave it. Just leave it. Why her? And I don't know it all to be true, but I, well, just drink your Diet Coke and sit back. Just take it easy for a while. Get a nutter butter or something like that. Just chew on that while they're talking. Amen. Chew on grass if you have to. Whatever you got to do, just keep it shut, you know. It ought to be factual. And then our words ought to be forgiving words. The most Christ-like thing you can do with your words is forgive. Father, forgive them. I want to read to you that letter. This was written October 31st, 1985. I got saved May the 4th, 1986. This was from my grandfather to my dad. Bobby, this is from your dad. I hope you'll read this letter. He mailed it to him, by the way. I'm sorry for the way I talked to you and for hanging up on you. I know you were right, and I want you to forgive me, capital F, capital M, underlined, for all I've done. I was at the doctor two times last week, was back again today, and I know I don't have long to live. I don't want to die knowing that you're still mad at me, for I love you all very much, even if you don't think I do. Nobody can take away the way I feel about you. Love, Dad. P.S. Come see me soon. This is after three years. And this was not a man to say I was wrong either. Hard. World War II, and I'm not saying you got to be hard if you're in World War II, but he was hard. Can you imagine... Him not doing this. Some of you hold the key to God's blessings in your family right now simply because you won't forgive somebody. Your grandkids are being cheated because you want to hold a grudge. You want to get mad over this piece of land, over that, this house, that, that. 
and while others suffer. If he had never written this letter, I wouldn't have been in church May the 4th, 1986. I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have got saved. My dad got saved three, three years later. He was an alcoholic. He wouldn't have got saved. I'd probably never got called to preach. I'd have never met my wife had he not wrote this letter. Did you notice the date on this letter? Now, do you know when he died? He wrote this letter October 31st, 1985. Guess when he died? Now, you heard him say how many weeks? Just like he's dying. Do you hear that in the letter? I feel like I'm, I don't have much longer. I'm dying. Three visits. Heart, he had a heart attack. He lived till 2010. 25 more years. And I'm convinced that's because he chose forgiveness. I mean, I, I sat in my car and wept when I understood. And I, I'd never, my dad told me a while back he had this letter. I said, Dad, I got to see that. I haven't even read this to our church. And they know, know the situation. But I thought, what all was hinging on that letter? Everything that was hinging on that letter. I mean, he had the key to life or death. I'm glad he chose forgiveness. Some of you need to think about it. Well, it's not, they're wrong. Doesn't matter who's wrong. Doesn't matter who's wrong. Somebody's going to pay for the situation. No matter who's right, who's wrong. Let's build. Let's give life. Hey, when you're in the supermarket, give life. I was with an atheist this week for five hours. Five hours. And the man, I didn't sit there in bedroom. And the, he, he, matter of fact, he talked for most of those five hours. And the, he did write a few tickets. But, uh, <laughs> we, he talked. But you know, my goal was to, was to show him hope and give life. And so many of you have the opportunity to give life at home. Go home and give life. Encourage. Give faith-filled words, fortifying words. Factual words, of course, but forgiving words. Just lay aside the gossip. Lay aside the lying. Lay aside the rumors. There's enough good that we know. We don't have to talk about anything else. There's time for confrontation. There's time for all that. But I feel like most of the time, even with our kids, man, they come in. It's when they hit the door. I told you to put them shoes in yonder. Get the socks too. And by the way, why didn't you pin them socks together like I told you? Papa taught me that. You already know that trick. You take a safety pin and pin two socks together. It works fine until you got four boys and they steal your socks. It's about the only thing they can get of mine. <laughs> you should have pinned that together. Why didn't you put that mower back? That thing's on. We got any gas? 
What's happened to this door hinge? You break that? I mean, it's nothing. From the time they hit the door, negative, 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 negative. Why do they even want to be there? Get your pennies out. Well, I appreciate the way you work hard. I appreciate you doing that today. I love you, buddy. Where'd you learn to smile like that? Come here. Let me give you a hug. Build. Hey, some of you gentlemen ought to learn to do that with your wives. You'll be amazed how the temperature change at home, gentlemen. Be a lot sweeter. Amen. Amen. If you just learn the art of saying good things. Well, I ain't got nothing good to say. We'll make up something. <laughs> It'd be okay the first time. May God help us to build. Satan's assassin or the Savior's assistant? Which one are you? The last week, examine your words. May God help us. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for this church and the way they've listened. And God, I pray you'll help them. Lord, I pray you'll help me to practice what I preach. I pray you'll help us all to go about building. We'll build up one another in the church home, the pastor, help us to build. And Father, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed and we'll ask the pastor to come and conduct the invitation tonight. Well, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Honestly, I think that might be one of the best messages we've ever heard at Calvary. Man, that was right on course tonight hey Calvary let's stand tonight if you would our heads are bowed our eyes are closed folks are already using the altars tonight how about you how about you tonight is there something that we need to do this evening on this Wednesday or Thursday on this Thursday night would you come and just slip around the altar or Satan's assassin or the Savior's assistant mercy wow what a truth what a message he preached on that tongue tonight but I would just ask you tonight is there somebody that you need to forgive Lord, thank you for what you're doing right now. Father, I want to thank you personally for speaking to my heart in such a a powerful way tonight. Lord, help me to be so careful with what I say. And Father, I pray that you'd help us as a church. God helps to guard our tongue. Father, help us to understand that there's power in our words. Lord, I pray that right now that you'd speak to some spouses, some parents, some children. Oh, God, help us to be so careful, so very careful about what we use our words for. Father, have your way in this invitation. I pray that life-changing decisions are being made right now, and I believe they are. God, have your way, please. Have your way. 
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed tonight. Altars are open if you need to come. Listen, come on, come on. Wednesday nights, Thursday night, midweek service, you know what I'm talking about. Man, it's a great time to make a decision for the Lord. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Why don't you come right now? If you're here this evening, you say, Preacher, I need to be saved. Why don't you come right now? Just come, and we'll meet you here at the altar and share with you the gospel, how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Would you come? Would you come while we wait? Would you come?